Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And this time we're going to be talking about. It's kind of the penultimate episode of season two of Discovery. Yeah, I think you have to call the last two part of, the, of just one episode. Yeah. So the we'll go with the penultimate episode, which is through the Valley of Shadows, and this is directed by. And I apologise if I get the pronunciation wrong. Douglas I'm alright with, but then I think it's Arian Akurski. And he's a director who's worked on quite a few of the sort of popular sci-fi series at the moment. He worked on Timeless, but also uh, Arrow and The Flash. So he's done a fair bit around there. And the writers are returning writers from earlier in the season. We've got Bo Young Kim and Erica Lippolt. And they did uh, the short track, The Brightest Star, but also The Sound of Thunder. So they've previously been Saru writers, yeah. really. But um, this one, I think, fair to say it's a Pike episode, really. Uh, it's sort of a two, yeah. two stories going on this episode. There's a definitely the Pike story, but we've also got the machete. Michael and uh, Spock. Yeah, because I was quite surprised going back to this one. Like I remembered it purely as a Pike story, but there is it is sort of yeah half and half really. But um, we'll we'll go over that as we go through the episode. And the the title through the Valley of Shadow. That's sort of a, a biblical quote, but it's it's one of these people disagree on the translations and things like that but the essence of it is as I walk through the valley of shadow of death I will fear no evil seems to be the yeah the gist of it um, which obviously sort of ties into Pike's spirituality and what he's gonna go would, through in this yeah, episode yeah yeah it's definitely got a bit of a spiritual theme yeah, they seem to be using quotes a lot for the episode titles, which we'll get next week as well. But let's dig into this one then, because there's quite a lot to get through on this one. Um, we start with Michael, and she's watching a video of uh, her mother, um, but then she's interrupted by Amanda. And I found that quite interesting. She's got her biological mother, but she gets interrupted by... by adoptive mother. Yeah. And it's sort of showing us the different relationships she's got between both of them. And Michael's sort of showing a lot of regret this stage. Like she says, I've I've lost my mother. But Amanda says, no, you found her and you will find her again. Yeah. So she's sort of doing a bit of good parenting, really, yeah. that she's trying to make a positive out of what might be a negative. And I like that... She says to Spock and Michael, you know, take care of each other. And she says yeah. she loves them both. And it seems like, at least with Amanda at this stage, they've reached uh, not happy families necessarily, but it's a lot more peaceful than yeah. it has been in the yeah. season. There's not as much conflict. We don't know what Sarek thinks about all of it at the moment. Well, but <laughs> well who can ever tell what a Vulcan's really thinking? This is true. <laughs> and... Michael also says thank you to Spock at this stage. Yeah. So that's, as we've sort of touched on, that they are growing closer. Yeah, the brother-sister relationship's growing. Yeah. And then we get into what's going to drive the plot a little bit. We get a briefing about the signals, and there's a new one at Boreth, um, which we know from earlier in the season is where Ash and Laurel have 
Yeah, they've sent the son to safekeeping. Um, being looked after by the monks. Yeah, and also it's got links to Kalis and things like that yeah. that were mentioned in Next Gen. And we see that Ash looks a little bit sort of suspicious of it, maybe a bit worried because he's... You know, the whole thing is he's not supposed... They're not supposed to see the sun and he's yeah, not supposed to go back there. And he's meant to be dead in the... Yeah. To, like, to Klingons. Yeah, so it's there's a lot of risk kind of going there for him. And Michael sort of is getting fed up, really, of the whole signals thing and everything. Yeah. She just wants to go after Leland at this stage because she's sort of looking, I suppose, at the like the broader threat really and yeah they've sort of identified what the threat is and can we take him out can we neutralise him yeah so she's got she's got them what what she's kind of wanting to do and for the first time really this season it's not in line with what's going on with the signals and everything she's wanting to go off and do her own thing yeah. a little bit and then after the credits they do another spa jump which it has just become normal again by this stage in the season. Yeah, so really. like, if we want to do a spore jump, we can do a spore jump. Yeah. And we've sort of forgotten all about the My Serial Universe that we saw. And yeah. And it's, it's sort of, oh. I mean, we'll maybe talk about it a little bit more when we get to the end of the season, but it, it does seem that they've backtracked a little bit on where yeah. the stance was on the, the spore drives. It seemed at the end of season one, they did a pretty good job of kind of writing it out and yeah. this is why we can't use it and even with stuff this season like with what happened with Culber and everything yeah well I thought after what happened with Culber and they found out that they were destroying us another universe yeah. that they wouldn't just use it willy nilly but it now seems oh yeah it's okay yeah it does I'm, I'm not sure I'm entirely happy with that I think it it's like the you know when when they first started using it everyone was saying alright oh, ruins canon and it does this that and the other and I think they pulled it back from that and they got away with it yeah but then it's just asking yeah. for trouble again the more and more they use it and then we get a scene with Ash and Michael and she can tell that he's hiding something and I like that straight away he admits what's happened with the baby and with Laurel and everything he's not He's, yeah, not keeping he's not things. trying to keep secrets anymore, is he? He's trying to be a bit more open. Yeah, well, certainly not from her anyway. And she takes it really well and hugs him and she says she wishes you'd told me earlier so I can I can help you and everything. And I thought that's kind of a really mature way of looking at a relationship between yeah. two adults, which you don't always get on TV. Like, yeah. People come with baggage. Yeah, and you'd almost expect Michael, you know, in a, in a lesser series, would go into sort of a jealous rage and how dare you have a child with yeah. someone else and, you know, but but we don't do that and we're, we're giving these characters credit for being adults and credit for having an adult relationship. Yeah. And that that's good. It, it is, it's quite refreshing on TV to have yeah. that sort of... it makes it more believable. And I suppose part of it is that we've had sort of two seasons to develop their relationship, whereas in in Star Trek in the past, it'd usually be a guest character who'd come on, yeah. they'd fall in love with someone in one episode, and then it'd end tragically, usually, in the space of one. But um, Yeah, we've had like 20-odd episodes of this now yeah. relationship. So. so we're doing something a little bit more nuanced with it, which I do like. Um, and then... 
we find out that a Section 31 ship has missed a check-in and Ash knows that Michael's going to go straight after them. So again, it's showing that these characters understand each yeah, other. Yeah, they, they know, know how each other think and yeah. what they're going to do. And... and then we get the first proper shot of the season of a Klingon D7 battlecruiser. Which, I, I like the new design, but I wish we'd got a better look at it. Yeah, we don't get huge looks. No, you, you sort of see it from the back, and I, this is one thing that Discovery seems to be sort of edging away from for me, is you don't get these, like, sort of hero shots of the ships, you know. Yeah. I, I want to know what the ship looks like, and... well. I, I definitely do. I build, uh, as you, everyone knows, I build models. So yeah, exactly. And when you it, get the model, you'll better see what it well, looks yeah, like but, properly. Well, but a D, you didn't discover a D7 in the planning yet. But, but, but yeah. It, we've only been told three ships. Two of them are released so far. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you want to kind of keep your audience interested, you know, we're talking obviously a geeky audience, but... You know, I used to draw ships on my, my notebooks at yeah. school and stuff, and you can't do that if you don't know what the ship looks like. So I'd like to have... There's nothing wrong with having a nice shot of the ship flying in. No, and, it isn't. You know, we're not saying you need to go all motion picture yeah, every time. Yeah, you don't five minutes every... No. Right, right, but, <laughs> but you can give us a nice... Yeah, a good shot of it. I mean, I think we do get a bit more of that next episode, but... It just seems a weird choice in the direction with Discovery that they, they seem to shy away from doing that. And then we find out that there's time crystals on mm. Bereth. How do we feel about time crystals? I uh, I don't like the name. I think the name makes it sound silly. It makes yeah, it sound like um, some daft. There's a proper Klingon name for it. Yeah. It's not like the Federation name is... Of almost like oh we can't be asked uh, learning Klingon so I'm just going to say time, time and it just sounds a little bit too childish and too um, silly like it's like, a crystal that controls time it's a time yeah, crystal I was trying to look into this and I can't see any previous reference no. to time crystals in Star Trek or not by the name time crystal no that's it like, like, I don't we do have the orb of the prophets from DS9 which is and I would say that's a crystal yeah well yeah and it sent them back through time so but, they didn't call it the time crystal no they called it the orb of time which is <laughs> near enough the same thing but but the orb of time sounds classier than a time yeah. crystal it it reminds me of unobtainium in avatar you know it's just yeah. a, a silly and it's stuff like this that kind of fuels the fire of the Discovery haters yeah, because well, they can I'll, go, oh, stupid time crystals. Well, I was thinking, like, I was sort of looking at some of the more iconic uh, time travel things. So we've had Doctor Who, we have a, a police box yeah. that has... That's timey-wimey, how it works. Yeah, we don't really know. It's got... yeah. What is it that he always reverses the neutron flow on? Yeah. And stuff like that, yeah. But and they go through the time vortexes. Yeah. The time Lord use. We have um, Back to the Future, so we have Plutonium-powered DeLorean. Yes, yeah. Um, we have the time machine, the classic H.G. Wells. Yeah. Which is a spinny uh, disc at the back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's called the spinning disc, though. But you've got um, another phone booth in Bill and Ted. Yeah. They, they um, have a phone booth that does it. I think the classiest way Star Trek's ever done it was 
the original series and then Star Trek Four, which is warp slingshot. Yeah, the slingshot round the sun. I mean, let's be honest. In the Star Trek universe, there is a lot of ways of going back in yeah. time. I mean, the transporter did it in DS 9s past tens. Yeah, a nuclear bomb in um, Little Green Men. So there's no end of ways of doing it. And it, so I don't object to a time crystal as an idea as a MacGuffin as something that lets them do it just give us a better but, name yeah it's just a silly name it, it does remind me actually you mentioned like Doctor Who and it is very much like the Russell T Davis era of Doctor Who you know where to defeat the Autons they had anti-plastic you know yeah. it's something nice and simple but I don't know it, it, the name does feel out of place I think in Star Trek but um, then we find out about the time crystals that they're that dangerous even the Klingons have stopped experimenting <laughs> on them so yeah that says a lot doesn't it it does and, and I think well the Klingons wanted to use them for war which makes sense and they would the, do like I read a little bit on this and the Klingons stopped using it because it has too widespread implications using them in a war yeah that they can't sort of control and what's going to happen I wouldn't have thought it'd be honourable to go back in time and change the outcome of a battle or yeah. to kill your enemies before they know they're your enemies yeah. but I don't know um, but that's a good way of this is why we haven't heard of them in later Star Trek things because they're that dangerous nobody no goes near them exactly the Klingons have got them on a monastery but nobody touches them so that works I'm, I'm happy with that and then I like the bit where um, there's Pike, Laurel and Ash and they start talking about it it's obvious the conversation's got to steer towards the child Laurel doesn't want to have the conversation in front of Pike but you know they decide they're going to and I love like um, the look on Anson Mount's face you know Pike looks really embarrassed to yeah. be in the middle of this thing and it's just going on uh, but the purpose of it is that Pike's going to volunteer to be the one to go get the time yeah. crystal which you know the captain yeah, I, I buy that I'm quite happy Pike has this sort of hero thing yeah he, he definitely does and then um, Michael and Saru we have a, a conversation with them and it's him that sort of okays her going after the section 31 ship rather yeah. than Pike and she says that um she's surprised that um, he lets her go kind of thing but it's maybe because he's changed when he went through Vahara and everything and that made me think that knowing what we know now at this stage we know that well we don't know know that Michael's the angel at some point but looking back the angel appears draws them to Kaminar and that sort of triggers all the rest of them going through Vahara yeah. and um, Saru going through it um, is triggered by the probe and that's as a result of Michael's mother so I just wondered if him going through that was intentional by the Red Angel you know they, they give it a nudge because they needed yeah. him at this point to say yes you can go and do that yeah I, I think it all I think it all links in that everything's planned through the Red Angel. Yeah, so. and again, we'll we'll talk about that more next week. Yeah. But yeah, it's it it just occurred to me this time through watching it. Then we go to Pike on the planet, and he meets an albino Klingon, 
and he won't let him have the time crystal because he says he's not strong enough and obviously we later find out who this is but um, one thing I did notice is that in this sequence Pike's wearing a section 31 badge in place of his usual com badge and I wondered if that was for practical reasons because we know that they function like the next gen communicators so Maybe so can communicate. Yeah. Away. So maybe he thought it's if I have advanced, that's it. You know, I'm going on something that's potentially very dangerous. I'm going on my own. So I'm going to. I'm going to get in touch. Yeah, I'm going to take this so that I've got that a little bit. That makes sense. Bit. I never picked up on that. No, I just noticed it this time through, and it it, it ties into something I'm going to talk about a little bit later on, which I may have overthought a little bit, but we'll get to that. Um, Spock and Michael then, so he decides he's going to go along with it and then you get again this sort of brother sister banter between them Michael sighs at him and everything yeah. so I'm really liking where they're at I think they've got I think their relationship's been developed really well it has and I, I like where they are at the moment yeah. I like that they've kind of reached this agreement and then we do get a call back to the spore jumps Reno talks about it with Stamets and um, she um, she has a bit of a put down to Linus she calls him Bamboo Boy yeah. <laughs> which I thought was a bit odd I wasn't quite sure what we're going on with that um, and they play they, they, they play a weird game called the auto antonym game or something yeah. and they said you've, you've got to use a word that's two parts but both parts of it are opposite and then the example they give is oversight which over's not the opposite of sight. Mm. So I, I don't know how that yeah, game works. Really so sure that game, it seems. But they all seem to be enjoying themselves. They so. do, yeah. Maybe it's one of them that's it's a better game when you've had a few pints. I don't know. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, I didn't quite get... I tried watching it a few times yeah. to work out exactly what was going on, but never mind. And then what comes out of this, really, is that Stamets is still... You know, very cut up of what's going on with Culber, yeah. so we're keeping that thread kind of bobbing above the water at the moment. Then we go back to Pike, and we find out that this Keeper of Time again—that's a very Doctor Who. Yeah, the Keeper of Time. Was there a Keeper? There was the Keeper of Tracken. I, I remember in Doctor Who. I'm quite sure there was. It sounds like. It sounds like the, if not, there should be. It sounds like it's something that's been in. I'm sure Doctor Tom Who. Baker's probably met the Keeper if of only Time. Oh, we knew somebody who knew all about Doctor Who yeah where is Doctor Squee I don't know maybe we should give, we should give him a call and get clarification yeah. on not now so he's probably at work yeah. but um, yeah we'll get some clarification on was there a Keeper of Time in yeah. Doctor Who yeah it sounds like there should have been but either way this Keeper of Time is Ash's son obviously a lot older yeah and it's the same actor again who played Colin Colshaw. Yeah, he's played a few uh, Klingons. So three Klingons that he's yeah. done now. <laughs> yeah, he could be our uh, regular Klingon. Seems to be, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I every, every um, Star Trek seems to have had a, some actor who does callbacks yeah. as different characters. Well, famously, you've got Jeffrey Coombs who plays about three ongoing characters yeah. in DS9 and and Enterprise yeah. and 
but we had um, crops up in Voyager as well. He, he's been all over the place. On them who played Sarah, Mark Leonard. Mark Leonard. He played oh, yeah. a few people. Is he still the only person who's done a Romulan, a Vulcan, and a Klingon? Yes, I believe he is. Oh, uh, did you do an Andorian as well? No, so he's a Klingon in motion picture, isn't he? Yeah. On the bridge. Um, and also, like Tim Russ played a lot of guest bits before. Yeah, Tim Russ. So yeah. I wonder if this chap, whether they've got him lined up, and maybe we'll see him in a future series because they clearly like him yeah. as an actor. Um, um, we have Ducat appeared in. Oh yeah, he's in the. Um, he's in um, Times Arrow. He's also in uh, the Neutral Zone. Oh, he's in the season finale of season one. No, no, it's the Wounded. It's later it's on. Season, is it? Yeah, he's is also, it the Neutral? Oh yeah, yeah. he's a Romulan then. No. He plays a human. He's Does he play of, a human? He's one of the people from the uh, cryogenic capture. Oh, right. I thought he was no, a Romulan or something. He's a businessman who's sure that um, he's oh, yeah. all his Oh, yes. He's like my interest on yeah. enough to buy <laughs> the galaxy or the ship. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we get this stuff about time flows differently near the crystals. So I, I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, that. that that makes um, sense. It does. I think we get some, we get some nice um, actual visual effects. Like yeah, with the, the plants growing. The plants growing, which I think is quite a nice little graphic. Yeah, definitely. And then we find out that the Klingons think, or by and large, the Klingons think that the time crystals are a myth. So that again explains why we've not seen much yeah. of them. And so basically, it sounds to me like. The ancient Klingons looked at them, decided they were too dangerous. This order of monks basically took over guarding them. And it, over time, it's become stories and myths. Yeah. And, you know, most people don't even think that they're, uh, they're, they're real. And then he says to Pike, we know our purpose. I wonder, Captain, are you prepared to know yours? Yeah. Which is about as foreshadowing as you're going to get as to what's going to happen with him. Um. Back with Michael and Spock. Um, Spock says he's sticking with Michael because she's the common denominator in the whole yeah. Red Angel mystery. And it, I think there's a bit of that, but also he's sticking with her because she's his sister. Yeah. But Spock's not going to say gonna that. Say, I'm coming with you because you're my sister and I'm your big brother. Yeah. <laughs> and then she says, I'm not angry, I'm enraged. Which is kind of the same thing, Michael. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Maybe she's still playing the Symbolim Antonym game or something and um, yeah. got a few words there. But yeah, she, she's making the point. She's very angry. And Spock says, Rage is the enemy of logic. Um, they get onto a destroyed ship and you get quite well, cool well, shots. Before they get. Before they actually board the ship, you have it quite nice when they come up again. Come up on it. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. They have the bodies floating yeah. around in space. And then. You get quite a cool introduction. They find the body, and it turns out to be this chap, Gant, from the pilot episode. And yeah. I, I really like how economical they are with the flashbacks here, because you get a quick shot of him on a ship, and you get a quick shot of Michael. But because it's Michael with short, straight hair, we know straight away which episode it's from. Yeah. She only had that hair in on the Shenzhou. Yeah. And I just think that's really well done by the editor or the director who's decided to use them clips because it it only takes a couple of seconds but it does but it, it nails when it's strong yeah, yeah really really good and you couldn't do that with any other era really but it, it's very clever how they can do that here and then 
they're going to take him, get onto the ship, find out what's happened, and we'll pick up with that a little bit later on. Because we then get a bit where we see Ash and Laurel. Laurel says she wants to talk, and she thinks Ash is still in love with Michael. And she says that the man she was in love with is not who he is now. And again, I think this is a really kind of mature take on a relationship. It's almost like Laurel knows that Ash isn't going to try and pursue anything with Michael because he feels the loyalty to her and he feels yeah. the loyalty to the child. And he even said that earlier in the season where he's saying, you know, I want to be this Klingon, I want to be this, I want to do that, I want to be by your side. And I, I read this as... It's almost Laurel giving him permission. She's letting him yeah, off the hook. she's letting him go. And yeah, she's saying, you, you're in love with her. You go do your thing. And she's sort of absolving, absolving him rather of that obligation, which, you know, again, it's, it's a very complex, mature issue yeah. to deal with. And not always one that you'd expect to cling on to, um, to go with, really. It's quite compassionate. But yeah. But then I suppose there'd be no honour in hanging on to a man who you know doesn't love you, yeah. so... Good on Laurel. Back with Pike, then. There's another... Um, are we sure Russell T. Davis wasn't involved in this? Because there's <laughs> there's the pillar of the past and the pillar of the present. <laughs> Maybe it's a case of the Universal Translators just making it nice and Maybe. simple. Maybe there's something... The Klingon words for it are much more nuanced. Yeah, I think the Klingon would sound a lot better, but yeah, not, not all of us understand as No, that's on. it. So we'll give you the pillar, pillar of the past, the pillar of the present. And this is sort of a lot more spiritual than we, we often see from the Klingons. We've, we've sort of explored it a little bit like there's that one with Belana and the yeah. badge of the dead and Worf talks about Klingon spirituality a lot but we don't really Actually get see. yeah I mean we, we get Worf and Dax's wedding which has got a bit of it but it, it is a much more spiritual side of them because we we only usually see like the warrior cast of yeah. Klingon society, but there are. There's obviously a lot of other. Yeah, casts. like isn't there? Is it an Enterprise episode where there's a Klingon who's a farmer? Yeah, and he says like you know we, our family is a farming family, and yeah. it's just we you know it's the warriors that you see most of the time. Yeah, but, because they're the people in the ships. Yeah, out in the galaxy. So it, it's an interesting thing to add to the the Klingons it's actually very similar to like how they did it in Babylon 5 with the Mimbari there was the three different casts oh yeah now Babylon 5 is one we should probably but they had, the war, they had the warrior cast the religious cast and then yeah the, they did basically the builder cast yeah of course they did yeah and like you said earlier on you mentioned the orb and this that Pike gets it's not unlike an orb experience no. um, yeah like it I haven't seen any reference to it, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Orb of Time was a time crystal. Yeah, that I was just wondering, how far are they from the wormhole? Could they have gotten well, a hold of some of the tears of the well, prophets? I don't see why the prophets, how they are, couldn't just grab a time crystal if they wanted to. Yeah, they could do. Or, you know, I'm wondering whether... Because the prophets crystals... don't seem like they're actually limited to being in the wormhole. Well, they're not. No, well, they're... 
No, they're definitely not because they um, they send Sarah Cisco to Earth, yeah. and we also see a buried orb on. Uh, that planet at the start of season seven of yeah. DS Nine, so the orbs have got further than beige are. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good theory, and there's nothing to say it isn't. Yeah. So I think I think we can headcanon it if we want. That yeah, these headcanon now. These that. could be part of the yeah. Bajoran orbs, and then Pike gets a final warning that doing this could send him mad, and. Um, we get these sequences, the you know, dream, vision, whatever you want to call it. And it starts with Pike in what looks like engineering. Yeah, there's well it it looks like an engineering deck. It, it's not Discovery's engineering. No, it's a but, different ship. And he's getting burnt. I heard someone here does refer to him as Captain, but if you look at his uniform, he's got Admiral Stars on his yeah. shoulders. Um, and I'm I'm wondering at first I thought oh is that a continuity error and then something they've been wildly inconsistent with it in Star Trek but it is traditional that whoever's in command is referred to as captain yeah and they make a big thing of it when Jadzia's in charge of the Defiant and the people call a captain, captain and Cook. somebody queries it and they say no it's a naval tradition yeah that if you're in charge you're <clears> the captain and you know we we see that done, you know, it, whenever Picard's off the ship, they don't call Riker captain, but when Data assumes command uh, of another ship in Redemption, they do call him yeah. captain, and when they think Picard's dead in Gambit, Riker's called captain, yeah. so, you know, there is precedent for it. Um, then it goes to a corridor, and you just hear the noise, and obviously, as viewers... We know what's coming. Yeah, and like I thought they did this really well. I thought they modernised it from what we had in what nineteen sixty six, which to, was just a box. Yeah, but <laughs> to bring it forward and still hold that same yeah to keep it, it similar aesthetic. Yeah, but modernise it. It is. It's, it's the, what they've been doing all along. Yeah, they've done really, really well. I thought they've done it, it. You know, obviously it's yeah, the wheelchair. This is where we see Pike in his being affected by the Delta radiation yeah. and the Pike in the present this is a bit that again I may have read too much into this but I'm, I'm going to go for it because you know I did do a degree in psychoanalysis of film so I might as well put it to some use okay. at some point so you get this reaction where Pike basically screams in terror yeah. at Pike and he, he crawls backwards across the floor and the first thing to say about that is, I think Anson Mount there is just fantastic. Yeah. Like, you, there's not many actors, particularly, and I don't mean this to sound like I'm um, decrying male actors or whatever, but male actors who are well known for playing leading men, and, you know, Anson Mount, who was in Hell on Wheels and stuff like that, usually plays a tough guy. Yeah. To show this amount of vulnerability in your performance. It's very, very brave yeah. for an actor to do it. And also, I found it quite uncomfortable, like the way he screams. It made me, me as a viewer feel uncomfortable. And this is where something that I studied, um, like psychoanalysis-wise, comes in. There's a, a theory, and I think it's Lacan, but you know, anyone who's read it, read more than I have on psychology can correct me, but... 
he basically talks about how the world we live in usually he calls the world of the subjective so the idea is basically things only have value because we ascribe value to them yeah. money being the main example you know money itself is not actually worth anything but because we agree as a society there it is piece of paper is 20 pounds yeah so so we live in this subjective world where we accept that certain things mean certain things yeah. and certain things count for certain things and Lacan's argument is that the only time we come out of that world and we actually um, sort of enter the world of the objective is through great trauma. So death of a loved one, for example, is something he talks about that the sort of sadness and pain we feel there is like has this rawness to it. And he calls it the abject. And I think this scream of Pike is the abject. Yeah. Here. It's that terrifying to him that it's thrown him completely out of whack. and Because he is basically looking at his own mortality in the yeah. face. And what he does then is he talks to himself. And he says, you're a Starfleet captain. You believe in science, sacrifice, compassion and love. And in there... He's referring to himself in the second person, you know, he's saying you. And that ties into this idea of the abject because he's he's no longer connecting with himself yeah. in the world of the subjective. But he brings himself back through it and he does it by grabbing his com badge and reciting this thing. So he's reaching for the symbol of Starfleet, which As... gives him his value, yeah. makes him who he is. And then his language changes and he says, no, I'm not going to abandon the things that make me who I am because a future contains an ending I hadn't foreseen for myself. So he goes from the abject back into the world of the subjective and he does it by clutching onto this thing that's, that is there, that's his values and everything. So, again, I may be going into it a bit too no, much. I think, but you, I think it, you pretty much summed it up actually quite well it's, there. It's, it's a really amazing sequence with everything that's going on there and it makes it does so much to make the menagerie even stronger an episode I mean, it was a great episode as yeah. it stood but the fact that he chose that yeah. because it was what was right it's just it makes Pike into even more yeah. of a hero <laughs> I mean I, I've read some people have said well <coughs> It, it doesn't make him more of a hero and blah, blah. I can't no, see he, any he, argument that it doesn't no, he, he knows what's coming and he still goes well if that's what's going to happen that's what's going to yeah he's, he's not willing to let the fact that that's not how he wants to spend the rest of his life ruin it for him and it also makes what Spock does for him in um, the menagerie even more powerful you know because if Pike had discussed this with Spock, which in the next episode Cornwell knows about it, so there's no reason to assume Spock yeah. doesn't. You know, what Spock's doing for his friend there takes on even more meaning. You know, he's giving him... He knows that Pike thinks that that's the end and that there's no happy ending for him, but Spock... Spock, is, Spock makes him a happy yeah, ending. Yeah, he gives him as close to it as he possibly can, so... It just adds layers and layers and layers. And I think between this episode and um, What Memory Serves, they've done so much to enhance oh. the cage and the menagerie, which were great episodes anyway. Yeah. But 
they take on so much more meaning. Did you think the menagerie was because we ran out of time? Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> it, behind schedule. it was. We need to make two episodes. <laughs> well, we've got fifty minutes here yeah. that we can use. <laughs> and you know, it's incredible what the Discovery writers have done with it and done with this character. So, um, moving on then from Pike at the minute, we get another bit. Uh, it's Culber and Renault this time. So she says she's going in for a hangnail and she's well, clearly just wanting to talk to yeah. Culber because she says, oh, it's on my wedding ring finger, you know. Yeah. So she really just wants to get him to talk about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, she's yeah, Like she says, she needs stamets operating. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, she's almost playing the ship's counsellor between them two and I think she's doing them a lot of good. And she says... Um, people like us always find people like them so she relates to Culber and she's referencing back here to her dead wife and everything and I think she probably sees a bit of that in what's happened with Stamets and Culber because Stamets and Culber have got a second chance that she she didn't she didn't so and she even says you know don't screw up your second chance so that's setting up where they're gonna go and then back with Spock and Michael then there's basically it's a, a set piece really on this ship we get a bit of action and a bit yeah. of everything else the ship powers up the AI's trying to take over there's a bit of technobabble we're going to set up a dummy system that's going to trap the AI and then the Spock seems to become suspicious of Gan or Michael does rather when he starts talking about stopping wars before they start and I didn't particularly pick up on why Michael's suspicious at this stage like no. is this did you notice anything I, no because before this is she seemed to have accepted that she'd found Gant yeah I I didn't quite I mean it, the obvious answer is because in the story she needs to be suspicious yeah. at this stage but for me, there wasn't anything specific that triggered it. I mean, maybe it's just intuition. Yeah. I don't know, but it was that, you know, it's pointedly when he says stopping wars before they start, and I don't, I don't know, maybe is that, is that, has there been any reference to that being something Control wants to do? Or, Possibly. You know, I can't. I, I can't think of. I can't think of it specifically. Maybe was there something about. It's maybe something said in this. The first episode, yeah, one, it could we, well be, yeah. It could be playing right back to there. It could be, yeah. Um, and then we find out control basically. So there was this whole hoo ha, weren't there? People thought he's controlled the Borg. Is it the early Borg and everything? And no, I never signed on to that. I didn't either, and I think it. Uh, and I'm not. I wouldn't have been happy if it was used. No, I would Borg. I'm glad it isn't. But it it gives its mission statement here, and it says that it wants to be the purest form of life, which is kind of the opposite of the Borg. The Borg, yeah. the Borg wants to absorb all other forms of life, and you know, make them into what it is, rather than well, seeking perfection. Is the Borg, isn't it? So... Yeah. So I suppose there is links there. Then, yeah. Control says that Michael can't change the future, um, which is obviously very much tying into what's going on with Pike. So there is, there's a thematic link between the yeah. two, the two halves of the episode, um, and it wants to make a copy of Michael to steal the probe data. 
Mm, again, well, of course it wants to make a copy of Michael because it's Discovery and oh, yeah. of course you'd want to be Michael, but it, it does make sense on a, a plot level. Yeah, to be Michael. She'd have, have access to everything. And I like that the Vulcan nerve pinch doesn't work because there's no nerve ending, yeah. so that's <laughs> good. And then we get this bit where there's sort of a swarm of nano nanites or nanoprobes or what have you. And they're coming towards Michael, but Spock uses a magnet. To yeah, he magnetises the deck. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah, that works. That works. And that's... Which is quite useful to actually pay this in attention to this. And then this is where Spock says that it's identified Michael as a variable that it can't predict. And that gives us hope. Yeah. And that's interesting as well. I mean, that's something... It, it sort of recalls the Matrix, like they talk about Agent Smith, and the Oracle says, you know, he can't see past choices he doesn't understand. Yeah. So it, it's this sort of universal idea of machines can't predict human behaviour. Yeah, there's something to a about point. yeah, there's something about humanity that, if not makes us better than machines, at least makes us more flexible than machines. Yeah. and it, it's something that. It's often in science fiction the reasons that machines can't beat us is because there's the, something the human element, and that you know we see that with Vija because it, it needs to absorb Decker so yeah. that it can think outside the box, as it were, kind of thing. So yeah, it, it it gives hope as well that maybe the future can be changed if if it can't be predicted to the nth degree, yeah. then there's something that can be done, and then um, we get. Pike again with Laurel and Ash and Laurel obviously knows what the deal is with the time crystals because she says what did they ask for in return Pike wants to keep it to himself and then she um, he sorry gives the symbol of the torchbearer back to Ash that he'd got from his son and there's a nice scene where Laurel says she likes the name Tenovek so there's this yeah. kind of thing they know that their son's gone, but I suppose in a way it's good for them that they've seen that he's grown up to be a good man and yeah. that he's doing a good job. I mean, it's weird because it's only been a couple of months for yeah, them. It's but... a... Yeah, it's very timey-wimey in places. Yeah. And Pike makes them feel better again. He says, like, you know, your son was meant to be there because he was meant to guide me. We've all got sort of a part to play in it all. Yeah. And... So, arguably, Pike here is kind of taking the opposite view to Spock. It's almost like things are set in stone. And yeah, it always has to be in place for this to happen. But then, if you just had an experience like he's had, I could understand why you might yeah. think along those lines. You know, he's just seen a destiny that's carved out for him. So, yeah, he um, he, he is going to... Yeah, subscribe uh, to that kind of view. Everything has to be in place, and but, it all will happen. And but again, the the thing that makes Pike who he is is that even though he thinks that that is his destiny, it's not going to stop him stop trying, him. and it's not going to stop him proceeding the way he thinks well, is best. There's no sort of time on when that's going to happen. No, there's not. I mean, it's, it's just this is a future. Yeah, that's going to happen, but. 
It could be tomorrow. It could be in a hundred years. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, not a hundred years. No, but that's my, yeah, he doesn't know. He has no idea how long. He knows it's in the future. He knows he's been promoted to admiral. But yeah, he'd be maybe a bit suspicious when they're promoting him to admiral. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's the thing. Kirk's advice: don't let them promote that's it. <laughs> But he's. I think what makes him even stronger is that he's not going to try and dodge it. You know, no. he knows that he this knows is it's coming. coming he, he's obviously thinking, well, it's coming. And I can't change the future. Yeah, but he knows he can do good in between while he's there. Yeah, and then the ending of the episode is that the only option basically they're left with is we're going to have to destroy the ship because Section Thirty One are coming for us. We haven't got time to take it in the future now, so we're left with this cliffhanger. Pike calls the Enterprise in. We yeah. do, we don't see it this episode, but um, it's on its way. It's on its way and. You know, more or less, the last bit of the episode is your mate Bryce looking a little bit worried. Yeah, but he survives this episode. He does, yeah. So, that's what, 20, 25 episodes for Bryce right, now. He's doing well, is Bryce. Yeah. And yeah. that's... My mate Bryce is still with us. Yeah. That's pretty much where we leave it for this one, then. So, I think it's a really strong episode. I think... Yeah, and it's definitely it's all leading up to the big. It is, yeah. Finale. It's. I mean, I I think this episode for me does stand out for the Pike stuff. Yes, it's and the Michael. Brilliant. The Michael and Spock stuff is fine. Yeah. It it nudges the story along. Yeah. If it, not, it, it's all really to the story it. moving it. No, it's moving the story forward. It's. But it's you know looking at this one, I would say it's a Pike episode with a B plot yeah. involving Michael. Oh, yeah. You know, and and that's good that Discovery's confident enough to do that now. We can have other characters be the focus and we can have yeah. Michael in a B story. Yeah, let's have a story soon where we don't even have Michael. I won't be surprised, you know, as they grow... If, I mean, if for no other reason than Sonequa Martin-Green's in nearly every scene. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, again, going back to Doctor Who, where they do Doctor Light episodes sort of in the David Tennant era to give him a little bit of downtime, yeah. you know, because the they are she is the main character. She's there nearly in every single yeah. scene. So you it wouldn't surprise me if we have a very Michael Light episode in the future at some point. Yeah, um like we have been told this is coming where more character episodes yeah, with, oh, well we haven't been told this is coming, but we're hoping this is coming well, they, with the new show. Really. They have said that they're gonna you're going to learn more about characters that you already know yeah. and that you're going to see char- new characters and whatnot yeah. coming in. Let's so. hope after we find out a lot more about Bryce that they don't kill him off the episode after. <laughs> I kind of think that's what you want to happen, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, 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 keep, we'll keep you up to date on Bryce yeah. as we go forward in the episodes. But um, anything other on this one, then? I think we've covered this one quite nicely. Yeah, I... I I think next episode we're going to do the two-parters one episode. Yeah, we'll do a bit of a bumper episode because it is basically, it's one episode. It, yeah, it's literally, part two, there's not even a recap on part no, two, it just starts. It, it was literally announced very late in the production, oh, we're adding another episode, so yeah. I get the impression that this one, the script, were just too long. Like, to be fair, with streaming, I'd have been quite happy if they went, the final episode... It isn't an hour long this time, it's a two hour episode. I'd have gone, yeah. okay, fine, I have no problem. This is how we watch TV now. No, exactly. We're, streaming. That's it. We're not set to 
a set time that an episode has to be. No, no, and you know, Discovery does. I mean, usually we hit around the forty-five minute mark. But, forty-five to an hour, but but yeah, we we do play around with it a bit more, and it. I think it's good creatively for the writers because it gives the story. It lets the story tell itself at its own pace. Yeah, you have to fit in it into a certain amount, but you do, you're not sort of. Oh, you're gonna have to put a couple of filler scenes in. Yeah, to, to get hour. it to forty-five or whatever, and you know, conversely, it's it's not like oh, you have to cut this scene. Yeah, it goes over forty-five. Yeah, exactly. So we're not losing good stuff either. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think. The episode, it does a good job of setting up the finale. It does a fantastic job with what it does with Pike. The Michael and Spock stuff's fine, but they're going to get their time in the limelight yeah. next week. So, yeah, I think that's that about covers it all. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on it or you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter. It's at RetrekPod. We're on Facebook. If you put Retrek into your search engine... Um, you'll come up with the Retrek group which you're more than welcome to join if you want to email us we're retrekpod at gmail.com and um, we're also going to be attending WarpedCon in Doncaster this week which unfortunately the Star Trek guests had to pull out Yeah, um, leave Marina due to filming Picard, Picard almost certainly and um, we're not sure about why Tim Russ but no, maybe Tim Russ will be in Picard, you never know you never know so, but if you happen to be at WarpCon and you see us walking around with the Retrek t-shirts, come up and say hi. But um, until then, thank you for trekking with us this time. We'll see you on the Retrek. Bye-bye.